great future. We're talking real money. Well, hi again. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Talking Real Money podcast. I'm Don McDonald. Thanks for listening. It's been an interesting week. We have hit record numbers of listeners this week. Thank you very much to all of you who've tuned in and stuck around. Tuned in. That's an old radio thing. That, that just shows that I'm an old radio guy. Yeah, uh, thanks to all of you who have looked <laughs> it up on your iPhone or whatever. Uh, apparently, being on Stacking Benjamins and on Paul Merriman's podcast have uh, definitely helped boost the audience. So thanks. Spread the word. We appreciate it. A uh, few things. We've got a lot of questions. We have a lot of ways to take questions now, too. One, you can call us at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, and leave your question as you would a phone call message, phone message, a voicemail. Or you can go to TalkingRealMoney.com, hit the contact button, and type in your question. But there's something new now. There's a little microphone button on that page, and you can record your question. And it sounds so much better than a phone call, particularly if you have a decent mic. Then it really sounds good. So you can do it that way too. Uh, now, before we get to all the questions, and there are several, this is going to be a question-heavy day, I just want to comment on a blog post I read. I spend a lot of time reading. I like Medium, some great, interesting stuff there. And I got a notification of something I might be interested in by a uh, by an Australian blogger. And uh, the title was, I had to read this one. The title was, I sold my entire investment portfolio one hour ago. Well, I had to read that. Uh, it starts out by saying, I made the most fin difficult financial decision I've ever made. He talked to his stock market mentor, and I don't know what that means. This guy's a 30-something. He's obviously been investing for a while and been relatively successful, but he's making these the same old tired arguments about how the stock market is going to fall apart and that uh, the, the world is having all these problems and uh, we got the Fed printing money and loans that are going to default and stimulus and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? All valid economic arguments. But it doesn't take into account the fact that he and his mentor are not the only two people on the planet who recognize those problems. So why is it that the millions and millions of investors, many of them very good at what they do, are continuing to own stocks? Why is that? Are they stupid? I, I don't think so. They they seem to be pretty smart. And he goes on to say something a little further down in the piece, and this I really disagree with. If you never take profits, then you have made zero. What? 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 If you don't take profits, you haven't made anything? You haven't taken a profit, but that doesn't mean you haven't made anything. Uh, as a matter of fact, if I had put my money in a 60% stock, 40% bond portfolio, globally diversified over the past 30 or 40 years, I've made about 10% per year on average. 
not half bad. And I never had a five-year period, not one, where I lost money. Not one, not one five-year period. Yes, a couple of one-year periods. But I've made an average of 10% per year, which means, according to the rule of 72s, I doubled my money every seven years. So I've made money. I've doubled more than three times. Hmm. I must have made money. I haven't sold anything, so I haven't taken a profit, so I haven't had to pay taxes on it, but I've made money. I believe that you will never know the right time to either get out and even harder. <laughs> you know, you have to guess right twice. You have to guess right twice. You have to guess when to get out and then you have to guess when to get back in. You're not going to get both of those right. And the statistics, the data, bears that out. Everybody else is flying on emotions. Relying on emotions is the worst thing that you can do with your money. Yeah, I know I'm an old fogey, but you know what old fogeyism gives you? I did a lot of dumb things investing-wise in my 30s. I got wiser as I got older, believe it or not. All right, we have questions. We have questions. We have both call well, both. We have What's what? you can't say both when it's three things? Hmm. Now we have all of the above. We have a question from the magical button on the website to record a question. We have written questions and phone call questions. So we're going to get started with, of course, because it sounds so good, the question off the website. Hi, my wife and I are currently dual income, no kids make around 150 grand a year we have no debt to our name other than our home mortgage payments and um, we currently put back around eight to ten grand a year into a 403b i max out an hsa at 7200 for the family my plan is to use that for us for long-term medical bills we don't touch it now and I have some money squared away in a Roth IRA that was when I was in my lower income earning days in my middle 20s. Um, <clears throat> that's not a sizable amount now. I do not contribute to it as is. The point that I'm getting to is we are now dual income, no kids, both in our higher earning time period of life, 30, 31. And we want to start putting money away for the future, but I want to be able to touch that money if and when I need it. So we've been putting $500 to $1,000 a month into a taxable brokerage account with Fidelity. My question is related to how do you take advantage of wanting to continue to put money away for future and retirement? while also trying to accumulate wealth through brokerages. where, How do you decide which money to put into where? Should that brokerage account, should some of that be going into a Roth IRA? Should some of that be staying in the taxable brokerage account? Should I increase our comp contributions into the 403B that I have as I work for a nonprofit? Um, I'd just like to hear a little bit more information on how you take advantage of tax deferred versus um, taxable accounts and so on and so forth to where I could actually have access to some of that money prior to retirement. Love the show. 
been a listener for a few weeks since you've been on the Paul Merriman podcast, and uh, I appreciate any help you could provide. Thanks. Hmm, this is an interesting question. Couple of things going on. One, you say you want to have access to the money, but really, do you need access? You're a good saver. Do you need access to all of the money? I can't imagine you do. What you need to do is determine how much you think you might want to access prior to age 59 and a half. Because remember, the money in the Roth IRAs is accessible once you hit 59 and a half, which, believe me, occurs a lot faster than you'll, you can imagine at this point in your life when you're in your 30s. My, I was just in my 30s like a couple of days ago, and I'm not anymore. So I, I really am a fervent believer in the power of tax-free growth. It's really great. So I would say max your Roth IRA out because it sounds like you're putting enough away and then put the rest in your brokerage account. But in your brokerage account, use a massively diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds. Use the Fidelity indexes, the international and the total market indexes, because they have very, very low turnover. They have incredibly low fees, and therefore you're not going to have a lot eaten up by fees, and you're still going to get some tax deferral because they're not distributing realized capital gains along the way. So um, it's, it's personal, but I cannot imagine that you need to have a huge amount of money available early. So Split it up between the Roth and the brokerage account. And you're doing great. You're on a wonderful track. And bear in mind, your highest earning years are probably yet to come. Even though it feels like you're there now, they're probably going to get better if you keep working. If you have a question, you can go to the website, TalkingRealMoney.com, go to the contact form and hit the microphone button and send it in that way. Or type it in as many have done, including these folks. Let's start with, which one shall I start with? I've got two here. I think I'll do this one. And yeah, because the other one's a little little more involved. So we're going to start here uh, about allocation. In regards to the stock portion of my allocation, and I don't have a total world fund option like VTWAX, what percentages should I use for the following? Large cap, mid cap, small cap, foreign. I don't need the money for 20 years. If we're talking about the equity portion of your portfolio and you've determined your risk tolerance and are properly allocating between stocks and bonds, for the stock portion of your portfolio, I believe, and again, the research supports it, that small company stocks long-term are going to outperform, but you don't want to put it all there because it's too scary. So what you should probably do for about 50 to 60% of your portfolio is mix it between large, mid, small. Go 20, 20, 20, for example. There's no exact formula. But uh, if you're doing 60% of the total, then mix it that way. Then take the 40% and put it into foreign stocks, into international stocks. Uh, you could go even one step further if you have it. If you have an emerging market, that would be great. Add that in there too. But right now, the market capitalization of the planet is about 55% U.S. and about 45% international. So that would be even more accurate, in my opinion, to go 55 in the U.S. market, splitting it evenly between large, mid, and small, and then the other 45 
foreign. Again, for the equity portion of your portfolio. 855-935-TALK. That is our phone number. You can call us there and ask questions that way. And we have one of those to sneak in right now. Hi, this is Art. I'm in Southern California. I am refinancing my personal residence and a rental property. In both cases, I'm taking cash out. And now I'm faced with taking advantage of lower interest rates, of course. Uh, the Now the challenge is, okay, I'm going to have that cash. I can pay off an existing loan on another rental property. I don't have any debt to speak of. Or I can use that money to go purchase another, well, I, I'm going to say invest, and this is the question. Should I be investing that money, we're talking about 100 k into the purchase of another rental property, which I think prices are high, or should I go ahead and invest it in the stock market, which I already have money into it? That's the question. That's a dilemma. Now, personal information. I live in Southern California. I'm 63, still working. I have no debt. I'm married. I've got a couple of kids. They're out of the house. I'm, I'm pretty well financially, in my mind, set. But uh, here's a, the, the reason for the message, of course, or the call is uh, I feel great time to take advantage of low interest rates, but the cash is not going to come in my hand soon, next 30, 45 days. So I'd like to know, well, again, I want to invest it. I'm a little top-heavy in the stock market. I'm, I'm not going to invest in bonds because I think they're very low interest rates after all my strategy is to refinance to lower interest rate and extend out that debt on those two properties for a fixed rate 30, 30 years. Well, there's still a few things I don't know, but I think I know enough to give you a reasonably good answer. Uh, if the owning of properties is a successful business that you want to continue doing into retirement, then I okay, buy some more properties if it's part of your business because I do believe that businesses are an effective way to make money. Now, you're not well diversified if you're, if you're concentrating a lot of wealth on a business, even if it's buying real estate. But if you have some control, yeah, maybe you can do well. Although you said property values seem high. I don't believe that real estate long-term, uh, I shouldn't say all real estate, single-family home real estate over a long period of time has done most people particularly well unless you're in Southern California, and you've done well. Uh, I believe in diversification. I believe in massive diversification. I believe in global diversification, as I said earlier. I believe you should have a portfolio of U.S. and international stocks. And for those who say, oh, the U.S. market, it's too high. Well, take a look at the prices of international stocks. Take a look at the prices of small cap value stocks. You want to buy when prices are low, you should be buying international, small cap, emerging markets, those kinds of things. The only thing that's really doing well right now are the big tech companies in the U.S. So for those arguments, you, you can't be skewed. You can't have your opinion skewed by just the markets themselves because the S&P 500 in particular is is not a good proxy for the market. It's a good proxy for a few big companies. So I would suggest you invest more 
So I would suggest that you increase your global portfolio diversification. If you're light in some areas, small cap, emerging markets, value, international, you know, get heavier into those areas. But uh, real estate's not, unless it's a business, not one of the better investments out there, in my opinion. And it really, my opinion is based on data that shows it hasn't done well. Thanks so much for stopping by. Again, Send your questions in a variety of ways at TalkingRealMoney.com or call them in at 855-935-TALK. And if you need more help, if you need more detailed help, we offer that at my firm, Vestory, for free. Truly free. No, we don't manage portfolios for free. That would be dumb. But we have some of the lowest fees in the industry. In the industry for full-service investing advice and wealth management. So go to vestry.com and check all that out. But if you go down to the bottom of the page, there's a calendar and you can pick a date on the calendar and set up an appointment with one of our advisors. There will be no cost. We don't ask for any money. There's no obligation. And I absolutely promise there will be no high pressure sales pitch. So you can do it that way. You can send your questions in on the website to me. I'll answer them in the podcast, or you can call us 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 855-935-TALK. Also, I'll be taking your calls live tomorrow starting at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific at 855-935-TALK. Tom's on vacation, so it'll just be you and me talking about money on the radio, which will become a podcast next week. So 855-935-TALK is the phone number, and let's get this last question that was sent in. This one's fun. Uh, hi there. Oh, the subject XLK versus FSCSX. That's a lot of letters. XLK versus FSCSX. Uh, wait, did I say that right? <laughs> Too many letters. I'm probably getting them wrong. Where did it go? I just had the email. All right. Let me just get right to it. I've been listening to your show for a few months and know you both push passive funds nonstop. I am 27 and currently invest through Fidelity. I am invested in the FSCSX right now. And I'm wondering if XLK is a better option. FSCSX over the 10 years have averaged almost 3% better, but has a 0.6% higher expense ratio. It also has high turnover, low dividend rate. Is the 3% better return worth being in an active fund versus the passive XLK? If I do sell and switch over to XLK, what are the tax implications? Thanks for your help. All right, here's the deal. <laughs> I don't like either of them. <laughs> I don't care if they're active or not. You know what you're doing? I know you're 27. I know. You're betting on one segment of the economy. And while that can be fun and exciting and highly profitable at times, it can also be a disaster. And there was a time not too well, you were a child. Okay. For some of us, it wasn't too long ago. You were too young to remember. There was a time when technology stocks just got hammered. And bear in mind, the Fidelity Select Software and IT Services Portfolio, which is the name of FSCSX, is 
like 60 stocks. That's it. That's not diversification. And one of the things about active managers is that their performance doesn't really mean much because they can get lucky and get lucky over an extended period of time. The other problem is the Fidelity Select Software and IT Services portfolio is a microcosm of a microcosm, which is tech. So it's not even really a fair comparison between XLK, which is the spider technology sector fund, because it has more stocks in the portfolio. It does, it does have a much, much lower expense ratio, but to compare the performance of the two is, well, it's not entirely appropriate because they're different kinds of funds. Now, I know you're enjoying the profits you've made. I would suggest that you broaden your exposure. If this is particularly, if this is money, you're going to leave there for retirement for the next 30 plus years. Because there will come a day when you're going to be disappointed by one of these funds and in a big way. Because when they lose, they can lose, particularly sectors, they can lose a lot. Now, we've gone through a period where technology has done incredibly well for, gosh, 15 years, pretty steadily. Uh, but that... The risks are so, so, so high. Plus, these are very volatile portfolios, and I know you're young enough to be a risk taker. I'm just giving you that long-term old man advice. Be careful. You need to diversify more. If you sell, and again, I don't mind you being in an actively managed fund because these are so flippin' similar, but the actively managed fund is more risky than the spider, than the uh, XLK. So you're taking more risk. And of course, you should be rewarded more for taking more risk. Just scares me. Uh, if you were to sell, that is a problem. If you were to sell, you've done well if you've been in this for a while. So you're going to have a huge capital gain if this is not in a qualified account. So from a tax standpoint, you, you don't want to rush to sell. Certainly, you would want to spread it out over time. And you don't want, you're not looking for dividends. You're young. Uh, but again, I sound like a broken record because I kind of am. I don't know when these things will turn, but I do know that since the beginning of markets, every sector that's been hot has eventually been not hot. So be careful. Uh, let's see. I think we've reached the end of this. Again, a couple of things. One, you have a more complex problem. You need to speak with an advisor. We do that all the time and we do it for nothing for a, a single meeting. If you want us to manage your money, yeah, you should pay us because we do a good job. If you have short questions that we can answer on the podcast, we do those all the time too. Send them in by going to talkingrealmoney.com, clicking the contact form and either typing it or speaking it, or call us at 855-935-TALK and leave the voice message with all the detail you can, or call in live and we can talk, actually have a conversation. And that's on Saturday between noon and 2 Pacific time or 3 and 5 Eastern every Saturday. And it'll just be me tomorrow. So give me a call. I'd love to talk with you. And thanks for listening to the podcast. Tell your friends. Tell everybody you know. Spread the word. Because truly, in a podcast, more the, the more the merrier. It's not going to dilute what we're saying. Thanks for being there. Take care. I'm Don McDonald. Talking Real 
Money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.